You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lees. Today we're talking people executed for crimes they didn't commit. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at pondex.com. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And if you want to see Pondex in action, we created one video up here using Pondex. You can check it out, see what they're what they're about. And as always, let us know in the comment section below any questions you might have that we can answer. And as always, you can be a part of the show by sending us a voicemail, 682-305-0483. Leave a comment about the episode. You can send us an idea for a future episode. Any topics you want covered, let us know. And as always, if you want, you can stay anonymous. So let's dive right in to the nitty gritty. People executed for murders, I should say, they didn't commit. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia once infamously implied that innocent people are never executed in the United States. Quote, if such an event had occurred in recent years, he once said, we would not have to hunt for it. The innocent's name would be shouted from the rooftops by the abolition lobby. 
That would be an adorable example how one can have way too much faith in a flawed system of justice if so many lives weren't at stake. In fact, wrongful executions are well documented in the U.S. and in others. The terrifying truth is, anyone who's in the wrong place at the wrong time is vulnerable. Wrongful convictions can happen because witnesses identify the wrong people, because the police coerce a confession, because evidence is ignored, or even because a public defender is overworked. How can you protect yourself from wrongful conviction and execution? Mostly, just don't interact with other humans. Of course, that will only get you so far when your neighbor decides that the weird guy who doesn't interact with other humans seems guilty as hell. Anyways, just in case you're still skeptical, we're going to tackle a few examples of people throughout history, in some cases recent history, who actually died for crimes that they definitely did not commit. Any prosecutor can tell you that capital crimes are especially difficult to prosecute if you can't produce a murder victim. No body, no crime. There certainly have been examples of successful convictions without a body, but generally speaking, you need pretty and irrefutable evidence to pull off that kind of conviction. Yet somehow this happened. Granted, this was in the UK in the 1600s, back when people could be convicted of witchcraft by getting thrown in a lake. If this happened today, probably no one would be executed. Probably. Anyways, here's what happened. According to the book, Miscarriages of Justice by Brent E. Turvey and Craig Cooley. William Harrison went out and never came back. The next day, his hat and collar were found in a hacked and bloody state. Suspicion almost immediately fell on his 14-year-old servant, John Perry, who was taken into custody and eventually not only confessed to killing Harrison, but also implicated his own parents. All three were hanged for the crime. Then two years later, Harrison showed up with a story about how he'd been attacked, abducted, and pressed into service on board a ship. So not dead. What happened? Why did John Perry confess to a crime he clearly didn't commit? We don't know exactly what Perry said to investigators, but we do know that even modern interrogation techniques can produce false confessions. Because interrogation sucks, and some people will say anything to make it stop. Especially, it seems, 14-year-old kids. Now, we're going to take a closer look at a man executed for crimes of living in the same building as a serial killer. In 1948, a man named Timothy Evans showed up at a Welsh police station and confessed to the accidental killing of his wife. According to the BBC, Evans told police that his wife... Beryl had died from an abortifacient. But here's what really happened. Evans told his neighbor, John Christie, that his wife, who was pregnant with a second child they couldn't afford, needed an abortion. Christie, who is already a prolific serial killer, perked up and said, we're paraphrasing here, of course, oh, I totally know how to do abortions. So Evans placed his wife and their infant daughter in Christie's care. And then Christie killed both of them. Christie then told Evans that the abortion had gone wrong and that Evans' daughter was being looked after by a couple of good Samaritans. Evans, who believed Christie's story, lied to police to protect him. Police later found both bodies and careers to confession out of Evans, who was clearly distraught and also had an IQ of around 70. 
which made it pretty easy to manipulate him. He was tried and found guilty of both murders. And in March of 1950, he was hanged for the crimes. Three years later, police found six bodies in John Christie's home, one of which was his own wife. He readily confessed to their murders and almost admitted to killing Beryl Evans. Christie was also hanged, but a lot of good that did as far as Timothy Evans was concerned. And now, executed for the crime of not being able to speak English. Hey, today she's a Texas legend, but that wouldn't have been much consolation to her as she was being led out to the tallest oak tree for her execution. Chapita Rodriguez was accused of murdering a horse trader named John Savage with an axe. Depending on who you ask, she was either 63 or 90 at the time. So it would have had hardly been a trivial thing for her to murder an adult man with an axe. But never mind. According to the Texas State Historical Association, the motive was supposedly the $600 in gold he was carrying. Although the gold was later found north of where Savage's body had been found, so if Chapita was a gold thief, she wasn't a very good one. Savage wasn't exactly making friends the night he was killed. He was reportedly at the local saloon, bragging to Confederates that he'd just sold horses to the Union Army. In, or in other words, she wasn't the only one with a motive, if you can even call stealing gold and forgetting to take it home with you a motive. She didn't speak much, if any English, English so she couldn't really defend herself against the accusations. That made it pretty easy for the law to conclude she was guilty. Happily for her, a judge decided that the evidence didn't add up and exonerated her. Unhappily for her, that didn't happen until 122 years after her death. And now we're going to look at one man who was executed for being too dumb to know he was about to be executed. Joe Arity was developmentally disabled at the mental age of a six-year-old. That makes his execution especially cruel. When you figure out in the part where he didn't actually commit the crime, cruel kind of becomes an understatement. According to Westward, Arity was accused of murdering a 15-year-old girl in Pueblo, Colorado in August of 1936, mostly because he had the handy habit of agreeing to just about any question he was asked, which is pretty great when you need somebody, someone to pin a murder on. Problem, though, was that another suspect was already in custody, Frank Aguilar. Fit the description of the murderer, and he'd also been caught doing some murderous sort of things, like hanging around at the victim's funeral, having a second look at her body inside the casket. He also knew the victim's family, and appeared to be a collector of newspaper clippings on the topic of sex crimes. He also owned a hatchet that had marks which seemed to match the marks on the body. That's okay, though, because Carol just made Arity an accomplice, accomplice, and both men were tried, found guilty, and executed. Despite there being almost no evidence connecting Arity to the crime, and to make a sad story even sadder, Arity had such a childlike mind that he went to the gas chamber without ever really understanding that he was going to die there. Now this man was... This guy, coming up now was executed for sleeping in a car with a murderer, and also his head caught on fire. Jesse Teferro, his girlfriend, and a man named Walter Rhodes were sleeping in their car at a Florida rest stop when they were approached by a highway patrolman and his friend. The incident somehow went terribly wrong, and both the highway patrolman and his friend were shot dead. 
The trio were apprehended, and Rhodes agreed to plead to a lesser charge in exchange for implicating Taferro and Taferro's girlfriend, Sonia Jacobs. Taferro and Jacobs were both convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. Jacobs' sentence was later overturned. The evidence didn't support Rhodes' version of the story, though. Gunpowder tests suggest that Rhodes had fired the gun. Rhodes changed his testimony three times. Also, an eyewitness said that Taferro had been detained by the officer outside the car at the time of the killings. As if all that didn't already suck very much, history says that Taferro's execution went horribly, horribly wrong. An electric chair malfunction causes, caused flames to leap from his head. Witnesses claimed he was still breathing afterwards, which seems to imply an especially sucky death. His death did prompt renewed debate about the use of the electric chair, and was at least partly responsible for the move towards lethal injection. That's great, but it's too bad that one innocent, innocent guy had to die in such a horrible way before someone finally decided things had to change. Strangely, we're now going to look at a guy who was executed for being rich enough to afford a good lawyer. 1913, 73-year-old Civil War veteran John Q. Lewis was killed in his home. According to CNN, the investigation first focused on the 22-year-old married black woman Lewis was having an affair with, but for some reason, police abandoned that lead. There was speculation that they just didn't want that kind of scandal staining the otherwise squeaky clean courts. Which seems really weird, because without scandal, what would courts even do? But anyway, police moved on to another suspect, who then pointed to Thomas and Meeks Griffin. What's really weird about this story is that the Griffin brothers were black, and it was South Carolina in 1913. But instead of calling for blood, the community rallied around the men. That was so odd that one legal historian remarked that, quote, only the most profound sense of injustice would have led so many white leaders of the community ordinary white citizens to publicly support blacks convicted of murdering a white man. Even more damning, the man who fingered the Griffin brothers later said he'd done it because he thought they were wealthy enough to pay for good lawyers who would help them get acquitted. But alas, no. Both men died in the electric chair in 1915. A century later, their grandnephew appealed to the South Carolina courts to have their conviction overturned. He succeeded, but you know, they were still dead. And now, on to a man that was executed for failure to confess to a crime he didn't commit. Scalia made his infamous shouted from the rooftop remarks in 2006, which means he either missed or just totally ignored the case of Cameron Todd Willingham, who'd been executed in Texas just two years before for a crime he didn't commit. Willingham was convicted of the murders of his three children, who died in a house fire in 1991. Investigators claimed there were clear signs that someone had poured accelerant all over the children's bedrooms. And since he had escaped the home unscathed, they concluded it must have been him. But according to the New Yorker, later investigation showed that the burn patterns in the home weren't necessarily consistent with arson. In fact, a later recreation of the fire showed that no accelerant was necessary to produce those burn patterns. They could have happened just as a result of a piece of furniture catching fire. Also, no traces of accelerant were ever found in the home, except on the front porch, which was where the family barbecued, so there was that. 
When Willingham was offered a life sentence in exchange for a guilty plea, he refused. I ain't gonna plead something I didn't do, especially killing my own kids. However, none of that was good enough for the state, though, which denied his application for clemency. He was executed in 2004. Despite the efforts of the Innocent Project, he has yet to be formally exonerated. Now we're going to look at a man who was executed for having the same first name as the guy who actually committed the crime. In 1989, Carlos, Carlos de Luna was executed in Texas because Texas. De Luna had the misfortune of looking a lot like another guy named Carlos, who probably did commit the crime. According to the Guardian, De Luna was arrested for the murder of a woman named Wanda Lopez. De Luna professed his innocence throughout his trial and subsequent residence on death row, which is not in itself unusual for someone who has been convicted of murder. Just about every one of them will at some point utter the words, I'm innocent. But De Luna's protestations were different because he also pointed to the man who did do it, another dude named Carlos. Carlos Hernandez didn't just have the same first name as De Luna. He was practically the guy's doppelganger. They looked so much alike that De Luna's sister actually couldn't pick out her brother from a series of photos of the two men. Carlos the other, as it turned out, had a long history of violence and was even found lurking near the crime scene with a knife just a few days before the murder. He later bragged to friends that he killed Wanda Lopez and his Tokeo and had taken the fall for it. But somehow, during the trial, prosecutors convinced the jury that Carlos Hernandez didn't even exist. So in 1989, he was executed and Texas dusted off its hands yet again. Great job, Texas! And now, speaking of Texas, we're going to look at a man who was executed for being in Texas. In 1992, John Frank Garrett was executed in, or else, Texas for the rape and murder of a 72-year-old nun. His last words were, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me, and the rest of the world can kiss my ever-loving ass, because I'm innocent. Garrett was only 17 at the time of the murder. He was probably also developmentally disabled. Executing people with severe intellectual disabilities was eventually ruled unconstitutional in 2002. Decade too late for Garrett, though... There was also the problem that he didn't actually commit the crime. As in so many of these cases, police jumped on the Johnny Frank Garrett train pretty early on and refused to jump off again when it became clear that they had the wrong guy. The nun's murder was actually one of the two similar murders of an elderly woman that happened around the same time. A man named, apologies for saying his name wrong, Leoncio Perez was convicted of the second crime. According to Grave Injustice by Richard Stack, Rueda also admitted to killing the nun, but he entered into a plea bargain in which he would confess to the second murder in exchange for avoiding the death penalty. That, stated, that suited the state of Texas just fine, since it meant they didn't have to revisit the potentially embarrassing wrongful execution of Johnny Frank Garrett. So that's another check in the wrongfully executed in Texas column. What was that Scalia said about shouting things from the rooftops again? 
And finally, we're going to look at a kid who was executed for being a black kid near the scene of a crime. The youngest person ever ex executed for murder in the U.S. was a 14-year-old black kid named George Stinney, who died in a South Carolina electric chair in 1944. According to the Equal Justice Initiative, Stinney was playing in his front yard with his sister when two white girls approached and asked him if he knew where they could go to pick some flowers. The, the two girls disappeared later that day and were found dead in a ditch the next morning. Unfortunately for him, he'd mentioned to someone that he saw the girls just before their disappearance. For prosecutors, that was good, as good as a confession. They arrested him and grilled him for hours without the presence of either a parent or an attorney. The sheriff who interrogated him claimed that the boy admitted to the crime, but there was no signed confession. And anyway, we all know what hours of interrogation can do to a 14-year-old kid. Stinney was convicted without any evidence, and his court-appointed attorney didn't bother to call any witnesses. His fate was decided in 10 minutes by an all-white jury. He was such a small kid that the electric chair straps didn't fit him, and he had to sit on a book so he could be properly hooked up to the machine. Still, it took 70 years for a judge to declare that Stinney had been deprived of due process and wrongfully executed. And that is all we have for this episode of the Cinema Gold Show. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. And as always, hit that like button and be sure to subscribe to the channel. And let's and help this channel get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. You know what? I think we can do it sooner. By my birthday, April 8th. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or 7-Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.